This week on the Baseline Podcast, Josh and I are joined by Bryce Palm, a good friend of Josh's who will be coming on to talk about the UFC, the ins and outs of all the big cards coming up, what are some big matchups, what are some of the fighters that we know about, some that we don't know about, and then we also finish up with talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and who's going to come out of the NFC East, all that and so much more coming up on the Baseline Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Baseline Podcast. I'm Ben, that's Josh, and Josh is on the bottom because he was late again today. <laughs> late again. What's um, new? But uh, we are back. It's not just two of us. It's not going to get boring like sometimes it does. I don't know if it does or not. Uh, but we're back with a guest. So, Josh, why don't you uh, introduce who's here with us and uh, what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, today we got my friend Bryce Palm on. We go way back to, I want to say, as far as middle school. So we've known each other for yeah. a while, even though he's moved to South Carolina now is where he's at. Still have been in touch, mostly because of sports and fantasy football. And more recently, as you guys can tell uh, by the outfit Bryce is wearing, UFC, we've been talking a lot about that. And we got some cool fights coming up that I wanted to bring him on to talk about. But that's kind of like a my introduction to Bryce. Is there anything you'd like to add uh, there, Bryce? I see you got the belt in the background, the hollerhead whiskey so i mean this guy's all business on you yeah i had to i had to i'm an ambassador for hollerhead so i had to bring that up uh all right you know and then when we changed the discussion to nfl i was gonna pop in. <laughs> there we go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I met josh and shoot i was probably in early high school or late middle school and you were just really small then half the size you are now and <laughs> i know you were a sports guy and you, you were always knew, knew everything about sports could talk to you about any of it and I think we just kind of headed off and i invited you to the fantasy league and we've been doing that together for what 12 13 it's been a while now. man yeah we've been in that league so, over a decade and yeah, you guys for however long you started it before me yeah yeah I've, I've always admired your ability to cover sports and over, over the past couple of years i've seen you like jump up and do things with other athletes like you had the thing with joe burrow and you go to indy and all that and it's like dang he's really cool and then i know you started doing this podcast thing i was like i'd love to try that out so there we are <laughs> yeah hey well, hey, man, we're glad to have you on. Wow, too. Josh, Josh has another friend. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to say something in this episode. I'm not going to say anything until like the second half of this episode. So I got to get something in. Yeah, we are. We are a little out of uh, Ben's comfort zone today. Kind of if you guys remember way back when we talked about the World Cup and I was the one that had no idea any of the discussion. Ben's kind of in my shoes now. Got the UFC but, page on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we've talked UFC, I think, one time on here just after Nganu's title fight. But we wanted to bring Bryce on to talk about some of these big time fights coming up. And yeah, yeah. pretty soon in a week, actually, we're going to have uh, Kamaru Usman take on Leon Edwards in UFC 278. So if you guys didn't know, Usman right now is ranked number one pound for pound fighter in the country. He's got a 20 and one MMA record, I believe. He's 15 and 0 in the UFC. And if he wins this fight this weekend, he ties Anderson Silva's record for the longest winning streak in UFC history. Uh, I don't know if you got any kind of initial thoughts on both of these fighters, Bryce, but they both seem to be very tough in that welterweight division. I mean, Edwards is, I want to say, 18 and 3, 19 and 3. Like, he's got a really good record himself. Yeah. Um, Edwards hasn't fought a whole lot in recent years. There's been a lot of cancellations and injuries and things like that, but um, I'm really excited. He, he actually fought Usman earlier in his career, and it was an mm -hmm. L for, for Edwards. Um, but they're com both completely different fighters now at this point in their career. I, I would say Edwards is entering his prime or is in his prime, and uh, Usman's still in his prime, but he's getting to that later stage where 
I think it might start dwindling down. So, but mm. the, the, the time where these two athletes coming together is like a perfect timing right now. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say don't be surprised if Edwards could pull out a win in this fight, mm. just because um, Usman's coming off of an injury with a broken hand, and I don't think he's fought a true striker like Edwards. A lot of these uh, English England fighters are like just there. It's I think boxing's a lot more crazy over there than it is. Um, over here as far as like fighting technique and mm-hmm. <clears throat> Edwards is going to bring that to the table. I don't think Guzman's fought a true, true striker. Yes. Masvidal, but the first time he fought Masvidal, it was like short notice kind of thing where it was five, seven days he had to prepare. So oh, I don't really count that one. Um, the second time they fought, it was kind of fluke. He knocked out. Ed- I mean, I was there in person. It was crazy. Um, he knocked out Masvidal so quickly that, he didn't get to see much. So mm-hmm. I, I think um, Edwards strike, we're going to see a true, true fight here, a true striker versus a grappler. So mm. that's just gotcha. kind of a quick rundown. But <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Usman's winning streak is kind of what the thing that I'm most interested about this fight. And it's not like he hasn't had any tough guys to fight. Like he has gone against Masvidal a couple of times. He's gone against Kobe Covington a couple of times. I believe he's knocked down Gilbert Burns, Tyron Woodley, Sean Strickland. So it's not like he's just in a weak division by any means. Uh, Can you kind of give us a summary of uh, what the welterweight division looks like right now and just how incredible Usman's 15 fight winning streak is? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. He, he He's beaten Colby Covington twice now, who is a very similar styled fighter than him. And um, th- those were his true tests. And, I mean, he he won both of them. I wouldn't say soundly they were competitive, but he, he won. You know, every single fight that he's been in has been an extremely difficult fight. Not, none of them have been like, oh, this is easy. Usman's going to win. Not in my opinion, at least. Uh, other than maybe the first Masvidal one, but dude was fighting on short notice. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, how good you are. If you can go on a 15 fight win streak, like you literally beat anybody, any human on earth, you'd be 15 different people. Well, not he's had, he's fought some people twice, but still winning 15 fights in a row. I mean, that's crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. 15 that's in a row. Crazy. I mean, do you, uh, do you recall who finally was able to take down Anderson Silva and how his streak ended? Um, who was, that? I mean, I'm actually a huge Chris Weidman fan. He's my favorite UFC fighter. And he was the one that, I don't know if he was the first one to beat Silva, to be honest with you. I think he was. Um, But he beat Silva and took the belt. And that's when I actually became a UFC fan watching that fight. Um, But that's how Anderson Silva got taken down. And then eventually they did rematch. And unfortunately, there was a freak accident where Silva broke his leg across Weidman's leg. Um, And then Silva's career kind of went down from there. Um, I don't see, I don't see this um, Usman Edwards fight similar to the Weidman um, Silva fight. I think it's different, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the longevity. I mean, either way, that's incredible. Uh, but the UFC obviously very thinks very highly of Usman, even at 35 years old, number one pound for pound fighter. And we got a lot of uh, good, talented fighters holding that belt right now. So I imagine if. Usman's going to go down even and you brought up the fact that Edwards is a striker this kind of sounds like if he's going to lose it's going to be by a knockout which is kind of insane to think about with how much he's dominated um I, I think it's going to be a, a decision fight okay like if, you, if you look at their uh, like let's just say if you go to ufc.com you can see 
um, all their statistics, like the significant strikes, their grappling. So Usman's never been taken down in the UFC. He's got 100% takedown defense, which oh, that's wow. arguable because the last time he fought Colby, I thought Colby got a takedown, but they didn't count it. But um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely going to be a, a stand-up type fight. Okay. But uh, I mean, even Leon Edwards, see the thing is his takedown defense is fantastic too. It's, he's got like 70% takedown defense. But I think it's going to be a fight that's mostly a stand-up fight. Gotcha. Right. Just get a couple. Maybe it, if Edwards does win, then it's just going to be because he got more hits on Usman. Than yeah, it's going to be more and more strikes. He, he's a quicker striker. He's going to land more. Now, now my question is: Now, this is coming from a guy that barely watches any UFC. Uh, what do you think makes Usman like so dominant in this run? Like, is there one thing that you look at him and go, "This is what he does, fight after fight," that puts him above his opponent? that puts him above the rest that is something that you can just look at and be like, bam, that's what he does every time. Yeah. That, that's the awesome thing about him. I, I don't know. He He's so <laughs> balanced and so refined and literally everything he does, the stand up, the grappling, um, the jujitsu, the wrestling, it, he does it all. Fantastic. The clinch. He's just scary looking. And it took a while, I'll be honest, for him to earn my respect. I actually couldn't stand Usman. I was like, oh, and Usman fights on. Mm-hmm. And then I got tickets to UFC 261 when UFC first came back after COVID. And when I saw him in person and he, when I saw him knock out Masvidal like that, he, he instantly finally earned my respect. I was like, he's just so good. I have to. He's so scary. And I, I don't know what it is. And once you earn that scary reputation – you just, that's what makes you, you, it's just, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't pinpoint one thing about his game. He's known as a insane grappler and wrestler. Um, but he, he's rarely ever actually utilized that in his game, especially in his last few championship victories. So we know that's there and that's how scary he is because that threat's always there, but he hasn't even had to utilize it because his striking has gotten so good. <laughs> mm. The fact he's never been taken down too. That's something I didn't know. That's yeah. He has a yeah, hundred percent takedown defense. <laughs> yeah, but you you also kind of said earlier that Usman's in his prime right now, even at thirty five. So like, how much longer do you think he can fight? I think Derek Lewis is thirty seven, the oldest active fighter right now. How much longer could we see Usman in the UFC? Do you think, barring injury or anything like that? I mean, yeah, we already saw the hand injury thing recently that he had surgery on. Um, I don't know. No matter how old you are, your, your body just starts to break down after a while, no matter what. Um, unless you're Tom Brady. Yeah, unless you're Tom Brady <laughs> or Glover Teixeira, who is the, uh, was the previous light heavyweight champion. You and I were talking a little bit before we started this with uh, Pro Chaka, the yeah, yeah, that guy. So that fight was crazy, and they're actually going to – well, the rumor has it. I don't know if it's officially signed yet, but they're going to rematch for the title, I believe, in December. Um, but he, he he's 40 two to just turn 43 maybe uh glover Teixeira, and he's still going strong so maybe usman can do it too um that that's extremely rare yeah i don't know i, I think this fight is going to answer that question i think that's okay. going to answer a lot of the questions yeah mm. if, if usman does win this fight well uh, who do you anticipate might be the next title fight because i'm seeing uh and i'm going to butcher his name but is it comes shamav who's also undefeated comes that right yeah. third in the in the division right now uh probably so i mean he, he's fighting nate diaz coming up so maybe not because 
obviously there's the recovery time. There's always medical suspensions. So, I mean, it takes it. I mean, at minimum, it's going to take another three months. So someone would probably fill that spot. Okay. Um, before he would get the title shot. Um, I really don't know. It, there's just a couple other fights that need to happen first for anyone to really come out and get that shot. I mean, Usman, let's just say Usman won. He, he's beaten everybody in the welterweight division. That's what, that's what made me think that maybe uh, he could take on Shamav because he's already gone on, he's already taken down, we said Masvidal a couple times, Covington a couple times. Uh, maybe maybe it could be Sean Strickland because I think they've only gone against one, each other one time. So it's just, I, I wonder how many times you can fight a guy because we we have seen some three-peats before but i'd also kind of like to see uh this new up-and-coming guy come up and maybe get a shot it's possible um i don't think it would be strickland because strickland's pretty set and fighting at middleweight right now with um izzy's division mm-hmm. um and uzman actually said he's willing to move up but he won't move up to middleweight which is his next division after welterweight because he's like best friends with izzy uh, Nigerian and all that. And so if anything, he, he's going to cut down a class? No, he would actually he, – he's talking about moving up to light heavyweight. <laughs> oh, like just skipping a whole entire yeah. class. Okay. Well, which would be crazy because he's going to – I mean, the height advantage I think is already going to be – he's already, I think, considered a little short for his division. So, <laughs> <laughs> But, hey, we see Alexander Volkanovsky just destroying people that are way oh, taller yeah. in the featherweight division. Yeah. So. <laughs> For sure, man. So let's just kind of wrap up this main fight. Give us a quick, uh, maybe two sentences on why Usman can win this fight and then why Edwards can win this fight. So Usman can win the fight just because he's, he's beaten Edwards before. I know they're both different fighters now, but there's always that, that mental thing. Like you beat me before. I mean, it it could go either way. It could be like, but I don't, it's such a hard fight to call. I think most people are going to say Usman hands down, but I think when you really break down everything, um, there's a good chance it could go either way. It really could. It's going to answer a lot of questions. But Usman will win by, I think, grappling. I think we're finally going to see him actually implement his grapple, his all-star grappling into this game, keep Edwards down, um, winning in a decision. Edwards will win if he doesn't get taken down, and I think he's going to have way more output as far as striking goes. He's going to land more, do more damage. I don't know, but I think he's definitely going to, have way more, way more output, as I said, and and he's going to take it to a decision too. It, I think it's going to be a decision either way. It's All like right. a coin. Uh, it's a coin toss. It's a yeah, coin it, toss. it really is. It, it really is a coin toss. Because, I got Usman. I don't know why. I just I, do. I do too, but <laughs> I just do. yeah. So that's kind of the main fight. Uh, I know you had some notes, Bryce, on some of these other fights that are on the main card. Maybe there's some. Uh, higher profile ones here that I just don't know about just because I'm not as into it as you, but I definitely haven't heard of any of them. I'll be honest. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about maybe some of the fights on the main card, things to watch there, maybe something on the prelim. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. This card is lackluster as far as having fighters that most fans are going to know, you know, I, that might sound like a casual thing to say, but it doesn't mean that the fights aren't going to be exciting. And right. I've seen some, I watch every fight night. There's some of them where I don't know hardly any of the guys, but they end up being the most exciting cards. But since this is a pay-per-view and this is a thing where like people pay 70, 80 bucks for, you want to see those big names on it. And unfortunately this card doesn't have that, but there are a couple fights that I could point out Um, the, the co-main um, with Paula Costa and Luke Rockhold. 
I personally don't like either of these guys. <laughs> there, I call this the pretty the pretty boy championship. For if there was a pretty boy belt, <laughs> it's like a it's like a soap opera fight. If you after this, if you look up all the drama between these guys' careers and everything, as far as weight cuts and girlfriends and when um is a Izzy beat Paula Costa and Paula Costa's excuse was that he was drunk during the night before or during the fight or something like that. There's a whole lot of fun little stories that you could put together for this fight. Um, but as far as the fight itself self goes, um, I think Costa is going to win it. Rockhold is, he hasn't fallen in a long time. And when he did, he got knocked out cold by Blokovitz in the light heavyweight division. Um, and then the third one is Jose Aldo, and I can't—I actually can't pronounce his last name. I think it's Devishili, but he's one of those guys that, you know, wears the kind of Habib hat thing every time he wins a fight. And you know, those guys are always really scary. They always are like the gr- guys that keep you pinned to the ground and everything. And a, a fun little stat about um, Devishili—he had 27 takedowns in one calendar year in 2020. And that's most in UFC history in one year. So wow. you already know that's going to be um wild that's going to be on but, the ground a lot then but jose aldo is one of the best in the ufc at defensive takedowns oh, uh, he has strength a 90, strength then. in his okay. entire ufc career he has a 90 percent defensive takedown rate so it's just kind of crazy to think about like the guy who has the most takedowns versus the guy who has one right. of the other movements like one of the best defensive i, I just love how like i love the guys you say that are scary are mainly all from eastern europe <laughs> which is where i'm at which i just think is just so funny to me like <laughs> It's just like these are the scary dudes. Just these, and they do. Like I just looked him up, and I'm like, he's kind of terrifying to look yeah. at. Yeah, he's just kind of kind of it's, scary. It's almost hard to pick against those guys just based on their appearance, which is crazy. Goodness. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, all the, the other fights on the main card, you never know. They could be good, but but those are the guys that I consider like a listers were definitely worth watching on the main card. Um, as far as the prelims and early prelims. I would look up for uh, so two guys that are fighting on the prelim are Woodson and Saldana. They're both uh, winners on Dana White's Contender Series, and Dana only hires guys that he knows are going to put on like shows for him. So basically, the way the Contender Series works, he gets a bunch of fighters around the world to come together, and they all fight each other, and then whoever he thinks put on a great show, he signs. Both of these guys are guys that he signed in the contender series and they're going to fight each other and on a pay-per-view. So I got to trust Dan on that one and say that one is a potential banger. Um, I'll always have UFC parties and have a bunch of friends over. We'll have the prelims and early prelims on in the background and not everybody always pays attention to them, but there's always fights from like, Hey guys, let's sit down real quick, put the chips down. Let's watch this fight. This one could be good. And Mm. Um, this is one I think you should circle the Woodson and Saldana. And then for early prelims, um, Albazi and Figgy, who is actually the older brother of Devison Figueredo, um, who is the current, uh, I was just going to ask you that if he was the flyweight champ, right? It should be Brandon Moreno's belt. Let's be honest, but (laughs) right. um, (laughs) So it's, it's always cool to see like brothers of all stars, also fighting in the UFC. There's a couple others in there like that. Um, that could be an interesting one. They're both extremely good grapp- grapplers. I, I give the edge to Figgy because Albazi hasn't fought since January of last year. 
I think just COVID issues and stuff. But as far as UFC 278 goes, like I said, unfortunately a little lackluster, but circle those, watch them. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But we do have some kind of exciting main cards coming up that I wanted to talk about with you too, Bryce. You mentioned 280 stacks, so we'll kind of go in order here. We got 279 with a Shamav and Nate Diaz. I don't really know that they have that totally set out yet, uh, but – I mean, Nate Diaz is a guy that everybody will remember knocking out Conor McGregor years ago, but he's kind of older now. He's not fighting as much, and he's just kind of on the decline in his career. So uh, is there anything uh, relevant to watch for in this fight, or is Shamav just going to mop the floor with him? Um, well, real quick before I mention that, I did want to throw in the uh, fight night after this. Oh, oh after that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if we are truly going in chronological order here, yes, the fight night yeah. with uh, the Cyril Ghosn, uh Tied to Vasa. Yeah, event. so for European fans or uh, fans in Paris or in France, this is like a pay-per-view caliber fight. Um, yeah, Cyril Gan, French French guy, recently fought for the title, but Ngannou surprisingly handled him pretty easily. Um, Tui Vasa is an upcoming heavyweight star. I mean, you just don't want to miss that fight. Or Robert Whitaker, who's fought in Izzy a couple times, been fantastic fights both times. He's fighting Italian Stanley and Martin Vittori. And all these fighters are like just great European fighters. Um, Buckley's an American fighter. He's on there. He had knockout of the year, uh, not year last year, or year before. Just a lot of good fighters on that. Um, but yeah, as far as two seventy nine with Hamzat and Diaz, again that card hasn't really materialized yet. So there's not a whole lot to talk about with that card. But like, let's be honest, nobody probably cares because everybody's just going to be so fixed on. Nate Diaz, his last fight versus Hamza. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm with most of, I think, the logical fans here that just know that Diaz's career is over. I mean, you touch, I know it's everybody says this, but you touch the guy, he just bleeds. <laughs> it, it, he's been beat up and injured so much. I, I just think it's going to be a bloodbath. And again, Hamza's another guy that I've seen in person fight against Gilbert Burns, which was arguably fight of the year. That was an insane fight. I remember watching that too. Yeah. But, I, I don't have a, a lot to say then other than thank you, Nate Diaz, for <laughs> making UFC part of what it was. But fortunately, yeah. this is a, a, a grim funeral for him. I, I wish he would have had his last fight would have been like the Conor McGregor trilogy or fight Dustin Poirier like they were the rumors were for a year. And it just didn't happen. But it, it, it is. I, I do think the Nate Diaz, see, that's one guy I do know because I remember that Conor McGregor, I just, that's the one guy I do know. But I did want to touch before Josh asked the next question that that tied to Avasa, his nickname is Bam Bam. I just want to, <laughs> I just thought that is just like, see, this is what gets me going in this is the guy's nickname is Bam Bam. I'm just, I like what, how that happens, I have no idea. But I mean, imagine what that guy was like in school. Bam, bam. Hey, bam, bam. Come here, bam, bam. I mean, I'm not sure how he got the name. I would assume it's just because of the way he throws his punches. I mean, it, I mean, that's pretty like much a superhero. But in, in heavyweight, bam, bam. winging, man. But a, a fun fact about him, if you go back, and I actually recommend you watching the highlights on any of these fighters that seem interesting to you because that's what will help you learn more about them and their fighting styles. And, but, uh, he, every time he wins, he drinks beer out of a shoe. Like fans I were, saw that dude. It was, uh, the Poirier McGregor fight. So uh, he was one of the ones leading up to it. And I was like, what is he doing? Cause that was the first time I'd ever seen him fight. And just his appearance. I was like, this guy is the most fat out of shape I've ever seen. How do you get in the <laughs> UFC? How does he even win? This is going to like, 
here. He's got yeah, this he does. Like, he has this, he has the the tribal tattoo on his hip. It like goes up to like his past his waist. Yeah. It's kind of gross. What, what's yeah, the he, other guy? The other guy who reminds me of is the what's is it, his last name was Nelson. He had a big beard. Or maybe it's not Nelson. He was like a fat white dude that looked like a dad. What was his name? Oh, I can't remember his name now. He was a. I remember playing him on UFC on the video game. That's the only reason I remember him. But now I can't remember his name. I'm gonna look him up because this is just driving me yeah, insane. Look, look fat UFC white guy. <laughs> named Nelson. I our last name was. Hold on, hold on. Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson. That's Roy his Nelson. name. I don't know if you guys remember Roy Nelson, but the man. I wish I could just. It, it literally looks like a grown. Like he looks like a farmer out of like my hometown. This is what he looks like. He just looks like my uncle or something. I don't know. He just huh. looks. Yeah, if you look him up, he is quite um, not intimidating. Big country. <laughs> yeah, big fascinating, country. fascinating individual. Anyways, Josh, I got just got us off topic because that's what I do here. Uh, Josh, hey, you got you got to contribute to the conversation some way. Am I right? <laughs> I got to somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, that was fun though. Uh, so Bryce, Nate Diaz is kind of the main event for UFC 279 just because this is his last fight and it's kind of like a farewell. Yeah, it's kind of wild too because most pay-per-views have two title fights at mm, least. Um, mm-hmm. This one won't even have one. Um, Interesting. It's going to be a five-round just fight. Beat the sun um, out of each other. <laughs> yeah, so it, it might be pretty cool. I don't I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's, Again, the card's not materialized, so I don't know who else they're going to put on that card, but it's just going to be weird seeing a pay-per-view without title fights. Yeah. That's how people love Nate Diaz. They'll, they'll pay $80 just to watch him fight and get his butt kicked. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish the best for Nate. I think he could have picked maybe a better fight to be his last one kind of, but also we rarely see these guys announce that they're retiring beforehand. Like Cowboy just recently retired after he got knocked out and nobody saw that coming. And then, uh, Someone else really notable a while back, whose name escapes me, kind of announced his retirement after defending his title, too. And just kind of like, oh, shoot. But so, Nate, we what, know this is going to be what about uh, what Bryce? What do you think about this? Is just because of a Cleveland Josh and I live in Cleveland, Stipe Miocic. I think that's how you say his name. Is he like because he hasn't fought in like a year or it's yeah. getting close to a year? Is there any news on him? Like, speaking of retirements, like. Is he still in the game? Because he's ranked number two right now in the heavyweight. Yeah, I just so I haven't seen him fight in a while. Yeah, Stipe is either my second or third fighter between Dustin Poirier and him. I, I love Stipe. I mean, I'm from Ohio too. So yeah. Um. So yeah, his thing is weird because it's like he fights once a year, which is really disappointing. Like he fought DC, uh, Daniel yeah, Cormier yeah, three yeah. times in a row, but he got the best of those fights. Um, the Francis Ngannou one was really dis- disappointing. It, I think he went in thinking Ngannou wasn't going to be as good as he was because Ngannou just had a, a spurt and got really good yeah. and surprised Sipe and everybody, really. So I really want to see a trilogy between them. I hope we get one. But the, the rumor is, and there's always rumors in the UFC, nothing's ever official until you get to see the picture <laughs> yeah. of the contract. But the rumor is John Jones, there's, there's a picture floating around, just signed a contract of uh to fight Stipe in December. Ooh, ooh, that'd be good. For like an interim build or something like that. So 
if that happens, the winner would get to fight Francis Ngannou. But the thing is, earlier in the year, because Francis Ngannou hasn't fought all year, was saying that he was going to be ready to come back by December. So the fight doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because why not just have John Jones come in and fight? Yeah, of course. Um, right. Because if, if that's going to be the case, then Francis Ngannou is going to have to fight somebody else until Stipe, the winner of Stipe or John Jones recovers and fight him. So I don't know. It's all up in the air. But but those three are all in the mix to like I, – I, I, I can confidently say a fight with uh, one of those three is going to be announced. Why don't soon. you just have a triple threat? Just yeah. <laughs> triple threat it. Let's just throw all three in there. Let's just let's just let them beat the snot out of each other. Then when, whoever wins comes out on top of the belt. That's what I've just said. Pro wrestling. That's what we're going to do. Oh, jeez. No, we got we got to keep it this way, Ben, because this is what makes the UFC better than the WWE. Hey, those are athletes too, Josh. <laughs> I guess okay. you could say athletes. Brock Lesnar's over there. <laughs> Yes, Brock Lesnar carried that league for a while. I don't even know who's carrying the league now, to be honest. Is Roman Reigns. Roman, Roman Reigns is carrying the, the yeah, league. Didn't uh, Ric Flair just fight again and retire? Yeah, but he Rick was Flair, in, he was in AEW, yeah. AEW. So it's like AEW is basically like just like the – it's like they try to take away all of the old washed-up WWE stars and they put them on the <laughs> roster. I mean, literally, if you look at the roster, it's all it is. Uh, I sometimes will like check in on it just to see what's happening. Like is Brock Lesnar doing anything? And then you find out he's wrestling like once every five months, kind of like he was fighting in the UFC. So Mm. it's kind of what happens. So anyways, again, I'm off track. So Josh, please get us back on track. I did have some questions about Francis and Gunner and John Jones that I'll save for Bryce near the end, but reeling it back to UFC 280. Now this one is loaded, Bryce. We have the two title fights on there. We've got uh, Oliveira taking on who I like to call baby Khabib. And then we also (laughs) have Aljamain Sterling taking on Dillashaw. So what can you tell us about uh, these two fights coming up? We do have, we did have the drama with Oliveira a while back with not being able to make weight. So he's not, like the true champion or something like that, but he he does kind of have a little bit right on the line with this fight. Yeah, so this card is stinking awesome. It's loaded. Um, again, it, it still hasn't fully like been announced yet as far as the order of the fights go and all the prelims and early prelims, but I think majority of the main card is pretty much set. So yeah, you have Charles Oliveira. Uh, it's again, it's a it's a fight for the vacant belt because he missed the what the weight by was yeah. it open. 4.5 something ridiculous very yeah. small amount yeah it's really dumb and does it make the difference really does it does yeah. it make a difference in uh, no <laughs> because <laughs> what happens is the ufc fighters they have to make this weight but then in the 24 hours or 48 hours i can't remember what it is between the, the time they make the weight and the time they fight again they actually gain like 15 to 20 pounds back in between i've heard that too yeah like they cut down and then they're eating and basically those next two days to give up to like a more competitive weight for themselves yeah so most people when you hear the fighting at 135 or fighting at what they're actually not fighting at that weight they're actually (laughs) fighting at a way heavier weight than they're weighed in at so no it doesn't make a difference no and they, they need to figure that out there's been all kinds of arguments about it and some commissions it depends what state you are how they do the weight system like some people still use the traditional stupid scale some of them now are switching to the digital scale which a lot of ufc fighters have called for because they think there might be little small errors in the the human eyes missing or something so yeah there's all that drama but Oliver, let's be honest is still the champion maybe not technically but um, but yeah, that'll be a fight for the belt rather than defending the belt. Um, 
too early to call any predictions on that, but it's it's fun to talk about. Uh, I, right now, I'm favoring Oliveira. As far as the co-main, Sterling, um, underrated, gets a lot of hate because people call him an actor when Peter Jan need him and acted like he couldn't go on, which I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It did, I mean, it did kind of look like he was acting. TJ Dillashaw is an amazing fighter, but he's got some dirt on him because he was suspended for, was it a year? or two for drugs and all that came back and won a fight in dominant fashion. It's an automatic top shot. Um, geez, I don't know when you want me to stop because I'm going to run out of breath, but there's so many good fights that I could keep bringing up on this card. <laughs> <laughs> no, continue on, man. Like, are there more on the 280 that we know about? That, that most people are going to know about. Um, I, I think most people should know about the Sean Brady and below Muhammad fight. Muhammad's one of these guys that, people don't like because he's just winning every fight by holding people up against the fence and the one <laughs> hey, fight my strategy <laughs> uh... <laughs> the one fight did look like he was losing against which uh, leon edwards who we talked about earlier leon edwards edwards was kicking his butt and then he accidentally eye poked muhammad and muhammad all of a sudden couldn't continue the fight because you know i think he was actually going to lose one and uh so that one was like no contest so now he's fighting Sean Brady, who is an up-and-coming star who I can see being a future champion eventually of the lightweight division in maybe a couple of years. Um, I think he beats Muhammad Soundly. Go and watch some of his past fights, his highlights. Ground game is phenomenal. Um, mm. He'll beat Muhammad at his own game. Um, you got Benil Dariush is fighting uh, Gamra coming up. Dariush is another just really fun jiu-jitsu guy. I watch his fight with Tony Ferguson. That one was wild. You got a great couple women's fights on here. Marina Rodriguez in the strawweight. Definitely looks like another one of those women that are going to be a, a future champion. Jeez. Uh, so here's another fighter, uh, Manon Firat, which is a French fighter. She's a female fighter here. Um, she was supposed to be on the French card, but I can't, I don't know why it got canceled, but it got canceled and got moved to this card. Against Caitlin Ch- Chikugian, who was another was a title contender at one point. Again, those are just some of the fights that have been announced. I mean, again, there's still a couple more that I can bring up. Yeah. And the card is stacked, and it's going to be in Abu Dhabi, and they they promote those Abu Dhabi Fight Island cards so well. They're they're always so fun. I wish I could go over there to, to watch the fights because they have so many events surrounding it. <laughs> mm. And the fighters talk about how in Abu Dhabi, like they take care of them so well, they get to stay in the best hotels, everything. I mean, everything there is just like beautiful. So, I mean, yeah. I feel like you can't say anything not nice in Abu yeah. Dhabi. It's a good spot. Yeah. But uh, we can move on to 281, which also isn't totally materialized yet. But Bryce kind of called this fight uh, after uh, Adesanya's last fight. But Adesanya is taking Israel Adesanya is taking on Alex Pereira here, who kind of has an interesting backstory here because before both of them were in the UFC, Pereira actually knocked out Adesanya two times in kickboxing. So they uh, they both have a kickboxing background. Adesanya's got the title for that. Uh, is it the middleweight? Yeah, middle yeah, the middleweight. And I mean. I think Israel's last two fights with Robert Whitaker and then um, this last one they had, I can't remember who it was against, uh, Cannoneer, right? Jared Cannoneer? Yeah. 
Yeah, like he's he's been more like defensive, kind of like Floyd Mayweather style fighting, almost like he doesn't want to lose the belt that he has it. So he's just doing what he needs to do to pull off the win. And then he's winning by five round decisions. And it's honestly, as a fan, it's kind of annoying to watch. But maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm just reading into it too much. or I don't know what I'm seeing. Uh, I love Bryce, what you, am I am I overreacting here? Or is is he kind of been a little bit boring lately? Go ahead, Ben. What were you saying, real quick? Oh, I love his entrances. Oh, absolutely. Oh. That oh, is yeah. what. That is what makes. That like, is the only show is he puts on his pretty is, fight. Once he's in the octagon, it's kind of lame. But honestly, though, the fact like if you wanted to, you were dissing WWE earlier, Josh. If that's anything like W, that is literally like WWE. Let's just put a show on before you get to the ring, and then you kind of figure out what's going to happen after that. But <laughs> I, I was just going to say I have seen a little bit more of him because obviously everyone loves him, and it's like this. He's just this well, I love fan. him too. Yeah, yeah, and I've watched him like the way he fights, like before this like belt run here but like previously it's just like the man literally like will sacrifice him whole his whole self just to win a fight like at least he used to i don't know about now but like you see like you, everybody's seen that clip that where he's die. like you can't you can't fight me i'm prepared to die or yeah, something like, like that's, that's like oh man sorry, that's, that's a movie bad dude that is, that a, is bad, a movie line bad yes dude that's all i gotta say so he anyway, has Bryce. it in him and i'm just not seeing it so i think that might be the more frustrating part on my end but what were your thoughts on that Bryce yeah, is he kind same, of being super defensive the same thing kind of happened to John Jones he like beat everybody and then everybody was started to like fight him a different way because I can't just go out here and fight him like a normal fight I have to do all this boring conservative act like I'm going in going back people are just trying to do different things and or unorthodox things in a fight that it's just hard to calculate and fight against so Izzy just mm. kind of has to take a, a back seat and see what comes to him and fight it, it's just a it's an unfortunate weird situation when you're a champion and you've beaten everybody and <laughs> i mean it's because other people are scared to fight him is because the fights end up being boring and of course izzy's going to still be smart and not expose himself to getting knocked out or yeah. you know something sure. crazy and he doesn't have to prove himself anymore because he already has. So he doesn't feel like mentally, I think, that he has to run in there and risk his life like he, he did in Kevin Gaslam when he said that quote, um, but willing to give his life away and all that in the line. I mean, all that stuff's cool, but he's still a draw. People still love him. Um, but but this fight, I mean, if he doesn't do something flashy in this upcoming fight, uh, I think he's going to lose a lot of fans. <laughs> he, he's I got I think Pereira is a great matchup for him just because of the history there, but also because of how aggressive he is. Like, if he beats Adesanya, I think it could very well be by knockout just because that's how aggressive he is. Yeah, like, I mean, this is an awesome story for a fight. I, I know the kickboxing stuff was a long time ago, um, but, I mean, it doesn't matter. When you have one of the best kickboxers, that's what the UFC is, or the MMA is. It's bringing all the best fighters. Originally, when UFC started in 93, it was about – bringing the best fighters from a bunch of different kinds of skill sets. Like you'd see a big fat sumo wrestler versus a, a, a skinny striker. <laughs> it, it was about techniques versus techniques. And, and this fight I think is going to be one of those cool traditional examples of, I mean, I know they're both kind of the same style of kickboxing. Um, but when MMA, you utilize more than just kickboxing. So the grappling and clinching and all that kind of stuff will be involved. So, and they're both really equal, I think, when it comes to MMA. 
and the story's there. It's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cool for sure. Uh, any other upcoming fights, Bryce, that uh, we should probably touch on, or do you want to move on to some more uh, fun speculating rumor diving questions now? Uh, I think we covered the only other ones we didn't really. Hit I don't on. think we have a 282 announcement yet, right? Um, no, n- nothing, nothing official. I can see if there's any rumors on anything. Okay, yeah. So, the um, I think I don't know if I talked about this in the podcast, but I talked about it earlier. Um, uh, Yuri Poshaka and Glover Teixeira are looking to mm. have a rematch. I don't know yeah. if it's officially signed yet, but that, in my opinion over the Gilbert Burns and Hamzat fight is the was the fight of the year so far. And I don't know if you guys watched that, but if you didn't go watch it before you watch this next fight in December. UFC always puts on a banger card um in December because it's kind of like the last New Year's Christmas kind of thing. Um if they rematch it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so oh boy belt there it is. <laughs> there it is, yes. So kind of diving into some rumors, we were talking about Francis Ngannou earlier, and I was wondering if he was ever going to fight UFC again, just because there was talk about him being a free agent, and then maybe his WWE. interest in, bo- in background in boxing, maybe leading to a Tyson Fury fight, which Dana wasn't really a huge fan of, but you think we're going to see Francis Ngannou defend his title again in the UFC sometime soon? Um. Uh... Well, let me bring up the uh, Tyson Fury thing real quick. I hope that happens. Oh, that'd be awesome. I think it's cool, oh, too. That'd be awesome. I think that's so cool. Because Better they were Jake Paul. Too, like, oh, I'll do the boxing one, and then you come over and we'll do an MMA one. That'll be awesome. Now, if uh, we could get that, yeah. Like but Tyson one Fury's one. starting to pull off the whole Conor McGregor thing where he retires and comes out. Like, just today, I think this morning, I saw breaking news, Tyson Fury retires again. I'm like, give me a break. <laughs> Dude, uh, we don't even believe it anymore, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think we hit on it a little earlier. Francis Ngannou is going to fight, I think, either if he doesn't fight in December in against, like, a John Jones kind of thing, um, I think we'll see him fight in January or February. Okay. His, leg, he, his leg timetable, as far as getting healed, is, I think, almost up. So Yeah, didn't he have surgery on both of his knees, was it? Um, I think so, yes. Yeah, that was one well, of the storylines when he fights when he fought Cyril Gan was watch out for uh, how he moves and then how he kicks just because his knees aren't like all the way there he's gonna get surgery after the fight and he had yep. to rely more on his striking which kind of played to his favor just with the boxing background. Yeah, his doctor didn't even want him to fight. He was wearing the guards the on knee sleeves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was funny because he ended up grappling um, very well in that fight, and that's part of the reason he won because. Kanye had no grappling game whatsoever. <laughs> He's getting gra- out grappled by this Goliath-sized man. <laughs> yeah, Ganu's huge, dude. Um, but yeah, we can talk about John Jones now too. Who's who, I don't remember what what weight he was fighting at the last time he was in the octagon, but he's coming back bigger in the heavyweight. Maybe fight Stipe, maybe fight Ganu. But I would love to see John Jones in the ring again, just because of how good of a fighter he is. I mean, some people say he's the greatest UFC fighter of all time. That's that's probably dis or arguable or disputable. But you think we're gonna see John in the ring again, or you think we're gonna continue to see like some negative drug tests or just other drama keep him out? If he goes in and wins a fight in the heavyweight or wins a couple, I think it's, I think he justifies the best fighter in UFC history kind of a ranking. Um, he's he's going to fight again. Like I said earlier, I, I think he's going to end up fighting Stipe. 
which is a shame because I love Stipe, but I think John Jones will beat Stipe. <laughs> hmm. But um, yeah, again, the, the, the drug stuff's kind of blown out of proportion, I think. Yeah, there was some trouble there, but it was always like really minute stuff. The stuff that really should trouble you more about John Jones is the trouble he's had with the law and just yeah, constantly, you know, he tries to live this lifestyle like he's been this great guy and doing great things from the community, but that stuff, oh, I guess we're talking about morals now, but that doesn't justify doing some, a few nice things doesn't justify all the crappy stuff you've been doing and bad decisions and hitting your wife and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I, I'm so tired of that stuff, man. Like just get it together. How hard is it? <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll fight again. And I think it's going to be sooner and later. I think he wanted to fight sooner, um, but he hasn't just yet. But he, so he said, he's just going to continue bulking up and what he has. I mean, if you see the pictures of that man, it's crazy how how he's made the transition from yeah like it's not a fat heavyweight it's uh i mean it's in shape similar like what frank well, Sagano is to be honest and that's like between him and brock lesnar with like the two guys that even got me to realize what ufc was like those are the two guys like you look at brock lesnar he just looks like one of those farm guys that you don't want to mess with get on his lawn he's not going to use a gun he's just going to grab you and throw you into the freaking into the wall right and then you have john jones who by my standard, you look at him, it's like he is like, in my opinion, right, from a very novice side of things, it reminds me of like what Usain Bolt has done in, in, in speed and in speed running and what some of these other guys are just like, they're freaks. You don't know how they do it. But and again, my question for you is, right, do you think how many of you think of of out of all of these kind of guys that are on the fringe of like will they fight again? One of the big guys that we always hear talking about is Conor McGregor. Yeah, Josh is probably going to bring this up. My question <laughs> to you is this: We know that Conor, Conor McGregor at one time was probably the most watched athlete, probably around, if not in the top five of all of of in that time in the world, he was the most watched. The question I have now is: He did this whole thing with, you know going in, I'm going to box. No, I'm going to fight. Oh, Jake Paul, come get me. All these different things. My question to you is, will he end up coming back to the ring and back to the octagon, I should say, and will he fight again? Or do you think he's just doing this to get this, like, I don't know, popularity built back up and then just break everyone's hearts again like he seems to do? Yeah, I think it's that, unfortunately. Sad to say. Um, Mm. I mean, he's going to be a movie star now. He signed on for a remaking of I can't remember what the 80s movie is. Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um mm. but yeah, just a couple days ago he said, Yeah, a goodbye MMA game. It was a fun time because I'm gonna go be a movie star now. And then just yesterday he made another Instagram post like, Oh, I'm I'm back, I'm ready. And it, it's just it's so annoying. Is it's, he is he the Jake Paul of UFC? Um see the funny thing is People say that, but Jake Paul actually models himself after Conor McGregor. It's not the other way oh, around. Oh, that's creepy. That's just- um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you could say yeah, he he is. <laughs> At this point, he he's a genius because he is just marketing himself. Oh, Anything so he money. says is gonna make him money, it, even if it's controversial. Because that's the whole point. It gets people talking about yeah. you. So oh yeah. He's gonna say whatever he needs to say to make more people talk about him. If that's mm. retiring one day. And then coming out of retirement the next, what's yeah. going to get people talking about it more? That. So, Josh, I'm, I know what our next job needs to be, Josh. Let's just <laughs> quit and talk about ourselves and then start it again. I'm kidding. But as far as him fighting again, it, it's just a, if I had to guess, I'd say yes, because at some point, like you said, there's going to be an up and down situation. And 
I think if you look at the top 10 pay-per-views, he's every single one. He, he might not be number 10, but I know he is of the all top five. Um, That's a moneymaker. Yeah, he, he's going to get a fight. He'll fight somebody. Who knows? I, I wish it was kind of going to be the Nate Diaz trilogy because that would have been insane, but that's that'd not been cool. Yeah. Um, who Izzy. Knows? Izzy. That's what I want to see. Bulk up <laughs> well, and get Izzy. That's what I'm going to see. Connor actually is ranked 12th in the lightweight right now. Charles Oliveira wants to fight Conor McGregor because he wants the money payday. So all these people that call, call that's up. why everybody calls him out. Like yeah. they'll win their fight. Like Michael Chandler's called out Conor McGregor. That. Old Bear's done it. It's like they. It's equally annoying to me that they want to fight him because to me, a win over Conor at this stage of his career doesn't mean anything. But it's the payday that attracts them more so than the competition. I think. Yeah, and especially with the whole getting paid issue in the UFC right now, everybody wants to get paid more. So. Well, that was here. that actually was my last question for you, Bryce, on the UFC discussion was pay because I saw the other day Dana White said he is not going to raise pay for fighters because they're already getting reasonably paid. Uh, they get 20% of the revenue share, which is oh. a little less than the other major sports leagues like NFL, NBA, MLB, but they also have players associations. But uh, I also don't really ever hear too many of the top UFC guys complaining about pay. I hear more so Jake Paul uh, saying that they're underpaid <laughs> and maybe they just don't really believe it. But are the guys actually underpaid? Should Dana give them a little bit better of a share? Is he just kind of keeping it all for himself? Yeah, just to hit a couple of the things that start with uh, the Jake Paul thing. I mean, I think he is saying some valid things. Like of all the craziness Jake Paul does and says, I think he is right about some of the pay things. And I think it was pretty cool how he, I can't remember what fighter it was. It was a girl fighter. He ended up like helping pay for her camp and everything so she could train. All this stuff's not cheap. I mean, that's part of right. the reason fighters complain. They it's not free to just train and fight unless you're going to go in your own backyard and hit a punching bag. But training for an MMA fight requires a lot more than that. I mean, you got to gyms, you got to get coaches, equipment, all those. And that's all out of their pocket. And again, yeah. And when they get paid to fight, you know, the money that they earn all like more than half of it just covers the costs of all that stuff. And they only get a small amount left to, use for themselves to live and start a family and all that stuff. Um, so Jake Paul has some good points. And I'm, I'm really shocked that Dana White came out and said that um, because he's always been kind of like really People lenient. think he's one of the best commissioners in sports. Yeah. And I, I think so too. And we, we just have to listen Bell. to both sides. I think there's some valid things that Dana White says too, because in a couple of pay-per-views ago, somebody asked him a question about, Jake Paul thing. And he said, the reason why that Jake Paul fight got canceled, he, he thinks it was basically like a setup because um, apparently it costs like $500,000 just to turn on the lights at MSG. Um, and he thinks that that money or the, the fight with Jake Paul and the other guy wasn't going to even bring in barely any pay-per-views. So they just found a way to come up with a story and cancel it. I mean, it, it's just not cheap to put on the show. Um, now, does that justify not paying fighters more? Come on. Um, Luke Rockhold just this morning or last night was complaining about the fighter bonus. So fighters at the end of each pay-per-view or fight night, they reward the fighters who did the best, like a $50,000 bonus. But that $50,000 bonus has been something that has been in play since like mid GSP days. Like why is the bonus still only $50,000 when UFC has grown by billions of dollars more since then? Like, 
you can't afford to give a bonus of a hundred thousand. Like that's a good they, point. They're getting to the point where they need to start giving some more incentive, or the mm-hmm. fights are actually going to start. You're going to start hurting the entertainment of the fights. Fighters aren't going to be more willing to put themselves at, um, at risk and go head to head and put on a star fight because it just might not be worth it. But if you're throwing in hundred thousand dollars to put on the best fight of the night you're giving your fighters a little more incentive so i think they just yeah i i'm a little i'm a little ignorant i plead ignorance as far as a lot of that stuff goes but there's i feel like there's no reason that there can't be some more pay some more incentives yeah for sure i'm actually i was just checking the net worth of like some of the top guys and i mean uzman's net worth is estimated to be around three million charles Oliveira's net worth is around two and a half million and those guys are like they got belts right now so i i can't imagine what it's like being one of the guys that doesn't have a belt or at even lower one of the guys that's kind of up and coming is just like they got to be even i mean significantly less like these are what the top guys are worth then the majority of the fighters definitely aren't making that much and yeah, so maybe there's some things that Dana can do. I think he runs the league pretty well, but that is those are some good points right there. Josh, he runs it better than Roger Goodell. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all I'm gonna yeah, say. You, it's not very hard to top Goodell. But, hey, speaking of Goodell, we want to talk to Bryce about See? some NFL Segway. Segway, yeah. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> ben with the perfect segue right there, yes. So, oh, he's going to switch it up. He's switching it up. Yes, get rid of that belt. Get rid of that. Oh, there we go. We got the Eagles hat on. We're back. If you're listening, it doesn't really change anything. But if you're watching, you'll notice it was really awkward that he changed that and then we disappeared. Um, it's called Internet in Europe. That's what it's called. Um, so it was on my end. No worries. We are back uh, in the same episode. Didn't go anywhere. So, Josh, continue what you were saying before you were abruptly interrupted by some idiot. And in, in Europe, um, yeah, we we had the cool transition too with the Roger Goodell comment too. I know. So I don't know if we're gonna have that on the cut, but yeah, we're we're transitioning from UFC and Dana White discussion to NFL because we also would like to get some of Bryce's thoughts on what's going on in that NFC East division, and he's also an Eagles fan, so he's got the Eagles hat back on now and. Uh, I'm kind of curious, Bryce, just how you kind of became an Eagles fan. And your fandom to me is interesting, being a White Sox fan, an Anaheim Ducks fan, <laughs> Cleveland Cavs fan, and Philadelphia Eagles. So being an Eagles fan, did that have anything to do with Don McNabb and Terrell Owens? Uh, yes and no. So as I was talking about before, we had the little cut. Um, so I was a big lover of the Madden video game, even before I enjoyed yeah. watching the NFL. And you know, the logo when you're a kid, the logos are cool, the team names are cool. So I actually liked the Panthers and played as the Panthers and Madden all the time. And um the next after a couple of years of playing Madden with the Panthers and calling myself a Panthers fan, my mom wanted to get me a new winter coat. Um in Ohio, it gets really cold and snowy. <laughs> um for your hungry fans that are watching this. I, I don't know what the weather's like over it's there. It's actually identical to what it is in identical? Ohio. So, okay, so then they know they also know. So, yeah, uh, I had to pick out a new winter coat, and I, my mom said, oh, I can get you, uh, like, a NFL coat of your favorite team. So we looked at all 32 teams, and I wanted the Panthers one, and it was uh, – she didn't like the color. She's like, 
oh, these colors are kind of odd because <laughs> it wasn't like a black color. It was the uh, really light blue. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And she was like, I just don't think you'd look good on that. She said, oh, how about this one? And she scrolled over to the Eagles one, which had the Kelly green and it looked really, yeah. or not the Kelly green. It was it was the midnight green. I'm sorry. And it just, it, and I said, it did look cool. But I was like, let me think about it. So I went to go back to my Madden video game and I tried to play as the Eagles. And this is the year they just so happened, the first year they had T.O. And the the first moment that I started throwing bombs from McNabb to T.O., I fell in love with the Eagles through the video game. And I went up to my mom and I was like, get me the Eagles coat. I'm an Eagles fan now. I start watching the Eagles games religiously. And then they go to the Super Bowl the same year that I picked them. So... That kind of solidified my fanship. Like, oh yeah, I'm an Eagles fan. We're in the Super Bowl. Of course, we lost to the Patriots, but but I've been with the Eagles ever since. So here we are. <laughs> Man, I gotta tell you, that's one of the most wild NFL fan stories I've ever heard. I've heard of the video game. Like, I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But then you you threw me a curveball there with the Panthers. I was like, okay, I wonder how this is gonna switch the Eagles. So, all right. Have you noticed, you- have you noticed Josh, that all the fan, these kind of fans, like they switch the Eagles, and then us Browns fans, like we we're so passionate and we're so we missed content. our opportunity to switch. We're We've so content with losing. Switch, yeah. We're so content with almost being there, and then we're just like screw it let's just stay with them <laughs> we've like, played the madden game us? yeah we just we just kind of missed our opportunity to switch no, when we were I, like 12 years old and it was still reasonable so yeah, i want to say just, yeah tim coach was just so promising right? listen listen <laughs> i will say this bryce i will say that like anytime i play madden right and you look at the browns and they're like 78 overall and you're like wow this team sucks i was the first guy that would go in and create like seven players and be like okay 99 overall this raises the browns Hundred percent. The Browns turn into a monster on franchise mode. Have like seven Super Bowls, and then I'm like, in real life, I watch them. It's like oh, and sixteen. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm in a bad place. Oh, um, man, yeah. The Madden video game too. I actually traded Mike Vick to the Browns. Oh, of course. Back when he was in everyone. The game, did. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I but, did want to point out one quick funny thing about. Mm-hmm. It's funny that I live an hour from Charlotte now. So if I would have just stuck with oh the yeah, fan, I'd probably go to the Panthers games all the time. <laughs> hey, the Panthers Browns play first week. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just they saying. They do. They do. I I have some friends that actually want to go to that one because not because they're Browns fans, because the tickets are really cheap. <laughs> and also no because Baker Mayfield plays the Browns, and yes. it's going to be very yeah. fascinating. Big story to that one. <laughs> yeah, we can talk maybe Browns later, but I did want to kind of get some thoughts on the Eagles with Bryce because last year was kind of interesting for him to go nine and eight, finish the wild card mm-hmm. with Jalen Hurts as starting quarterback. What do you think of Jalen Bryce? The Heat. Oh boy. I thought he took a pretty big step forward last year. I'm personally a big Jalen Hurts fan. I love watching him in college. And I I felt like when he got drafted that he was going to be like a good locker room guy, a guy that works hard, maybe not a super successful starter, but a guy that's going to stick around the NFL just because of uh, his athleticism and just the attitude he has. But last year I thought he kind of maybe surprised some people with how, uh, I mean, he led the team to the playoffs. And this year, now he's got some more weapons What's your what's your overall assessment of Jalen Hurts? Is he going to be the Eagles franchise quarterback, or do you think they're going to maybe give him this year to see what he does and maybe move on maybe later on? So with Jalen Hurts, I was actually super upset when when they drafted him when they had Wentz because I, you know me, I, I was a huge. It didn't fan. make sense at that time when they did. No. You're right. No, it, it, and it didn't. But I I guess it does now. But 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 it didn't then. 
and I loved Wentz, and I was a Wentz believer till the very end. I mean, even when we traded him off and to Indy, I was like, dang, I still wish we would have kept Wentz. Um, now my perspective has kind of changed now, especially now that he's in um, Washington. <laughs> but being uh, in the division, yeah, yeah, being in the division, that's kind of annoying. I hate when Mc, was McNabb that did that too when he went to oh, Washington. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I was really. I wasn't as optimistic as you were. I know you and I talked about it briefly sometimes. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm still up in the air about him I, because last year I saw him play and I said, okay, there's definitely ways, room to grow for sure, but in good ways. Like I can see him growing in those directions. Like he, he overthrew a lot of wide receivers, I think. Um, but again, he didn't have a lot of weapons to work with. He really didn't. And, and either did Wentz necessarily because of mm-hmm. injuries and all that. So this year, I mean, he's he's in a no excuse situation, and I think it's all or nothing this year. Um, I really do think he he has this year to prove himself, and if he doesn't, I think we do need to like move on and look for a franchise thing. So I can't answer that question whether he's a franchise guy or not because I think this is the year where we'll be able to tell that. Yeah. Um, do do I think he is personally? No. I think he's a great locker room kind of guy leader I, I see the potential to make plays and all that but so far from what i've seen i, I don't list him as like a franchise quarterback not like yeah. i did with months but when unfortunately his career was just is done with injuries yeah listen, i think i, I, I want to be proven wrong <laughs> yeah i think when we when you bring up or when anybody brings up franchise quarterback that's got to be a guy that can lead your team to a win and that you don't necessarily have to have everything perfect around him. He's a guy that you can count on to win you games. Whereas there's maybe that lower level quarterback with uh, like Jimmy G and you could throw Jalen Hurts in there and maybe some of these other guys that can do things that won't necessarily lose you the game because everything else around him is pretty set in stone, pretty solid. And then they just kind of manage the game, don't do anything that stupid or turn the ball over. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Jalen do that. And I think the Eagles did a lot of good stuff this off season to put him in a position or position to succeed. They made the big splash trade for AJ Brown. Uh, They maybe he won't make as big of an impact, but I think having Devin Allen, the Olympic hurdler is going to be kind of a fun guy to watch. And they also have Devontae Smith at wide receiver and Dallas Goddard at tight end. And they led the, they led the league in rushing last year. I imagine Jalen had something to do with that as well as uh, the stable running backs that they got. So how are you feeling after the off season, the draft, even on the defensive side, they add Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis from that generational Georgia defense. So Eagles are looking in pretty good shape. I think after this off season. Yeah. Um, I think we took a step up in like almost every category and especially every category that we need to. I think we're still a little weak in the defensive end as far as like linebacker or maybe safety goes. So I think we need a little more depth there. Um, injuries on our team is still always a concern. We just have a lot of beat up guys, but we took a step forward in every direction. And Kurtz has all the weapons he needs offensively to – I think they eliminated all the excuses for him. Like He has all the tools. Again, like you just kind of said – I hope he can go beyond the whole character of just being a playmaker, but being a game winner. And he is a playmaker. We know that we've seen it and we're going to see it, but is he going to win the games? Um, yeah. I'm happy with everything the Eagles did. The draft was fantastic. And I guess what would lead me into comparing it to the rest of the NFC East, like I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the upcoming season because I think I wrote it down in the past 17 seasons there's been a different winner in the nfc east nobody's been going back to back yeah (laughs) and 
So it's like, well, this year it was Dallas last year. I don't think it will be this year because I think they took a step back in every I direction. Think so too. I don't know how anyone could say they could took a step forward. Hey, I'm the um, one who said it was going to be a surprise team last week. So on our NFL preview, so maybe I'm just the only one out there. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um. So I actually think the Eagles are going to be the surprise team. I, I think people are still think they're just going to be like middle level kind of thing, but I, I think we're going to win the division. Um, I didn't say that last year. I really thought Dallas was like a Super Bowl caliber team last year. I think last year was their year to do it. Um, but it's Dallas, so as Stephen A. Would, as Stephen A. would say, they're just going to fail. So the only time I like Stephen A. is when he criticizes Dallas. Any it's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, come on, the Giants. They don't even. I don't even think they have confidence in Daniel Jones at their quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Running backs, having all-star running backs is kind of a thing of the past. So I will say Khan's not going to win them anything. Um, the Reds, or I'm sorry, Commanders. Um, it's the commies. It's the commies. We go commies, commies on here. Yeah, we call them the commies. I don't even know what to say about them. I mean, they're all in just growing stages. I think the Eagles are the solid bet to win the East. Let's just, be, let's just be honest. The East, the East is like one of those that like you like watch and you're like, oh, this is going to be like one of those years that's like if you're if you're nine and eight, eight and nine, you have a chance to. <laughs> you have, you well, have a, it I wasn't mean, too long ago that the winner of the division was what seven eight and one. It was Washington, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's a it's a division, and Bryce brought up the fact that nobody's ever gone back to back. But there's some years where it's just like nobody yeah, seems exactly. to want to win the division. Yeah, they always beat each other up. I mean, division team they they play each other twice a year in the division, so it's like they all split each other. They all go one and one. Yeah, if, they, if you all go three and three, it's yeah. I mean, that's six of your games already. P- people say the East is horrible. The East is horrible. It's like it's because they beat each other up. They're, they're really competitive games against each other all the time. They're all considered my, great rivalry games. My question is, why do they why do they call the East, but then you have Dallas, which is like. Texas. I'm yeah, I'm always confused Southwest. at the whole alignment thing, you know. Like the whole There's always one team in a division it seems like, like that doesn't AFC make any North, sense. AFC North makes sense. Literally every team is within like, you know, Baltimore's a little yeah. farther east, but it's still like within driving distance of each other if you really wanted to in some Yeah, sense. I saw an article or an image that somebody put together with um all the divisions and conferences like if it were to make sense and it was actually really cool. I, I don't have the time to bring up the image now, but it might be something to look at later. It was really cool how, like, because you saw some of the AFC teams and the NFC teams, and it, it all just made a whole lot more sense the way they they set it of up. Of course, yeah. Like, isn't the AFC South division the one that has uh, the Colts? It's so in it? wacky. It's like the yeah. Colts are right up here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So wacky. Yeah. I mean, college football is getting kind of like that too now, too, with their whole. Yeah. There's no uh, there's no geography involved with yeah. any of the conferences anymore. Mm. Uh, mm. But we were talking about weapons, Bryce, with the Eagles, and you mentioned that you were frustrated with the Jalen Hurts pick initially. So I do have to ask you now in hindsight, seeing how Jalen Rager's careers turned out and all the receivers that were kind of drafted after him, how frustrated or excited were you when the Eagles initially drafted Jalen Rager? Uh, I was optimistic because I think the Eagles um, front office – has done a great job at kind of doing those picks you might not know about. And then they kind of, the players just like, they're seeing things in some guys that um, maybe everybody else doesn't see and they kind of succeed. And unfortunately that one was just a dud. There's no if or what about it, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, it's obviously disappointing, 
but who, who knows? I mean, maybe those guys now like Justin Jefferson or whatever, maybe, maybe they wouldn't have been as good at, if they went somewhere else, who, who knows? It's just how the way you develop when you get to that team and maybe they just got in a perfect, the perfect situation for them. I mean, hey. Maybe Jefferson wouldn't have been as good in Philly. You know, it's like, it's like the Browns uh, pick. Uh, what was that back? I forget what year it was. Uh, Coleman. Remember him, Josh? Corey we love Coleman. him, don't we? We love yeah. him. I hated we that pick when they made him it. so much. And then he dropped that pass that would have made us one in 15. We could have just won one game that year <laughs> for his drop. Yeah, I hated, I hated that pick when we made it, but oh the gosh. guy that I am still the most upset that we passed on to this day is Julio Jones. Oh, I think I'm it was so the 2011 draft and we so had the sixth pick that. and we traded back, gave it to Atlanta and then they took Julio and Julio's just, I mean, he's turned into my favorite wide receiver of all time. And yeah, it's just just watching him be successful elsewhere is just like, man, that was there's very few guys it seems like that you know are gonna dominate the league because there's sometimes there's just so many question marks around guys. But Julio was just a guy. It's like, you know this guy's gonna dominate the league. What are you doing? So yeah, it's Jalen Rager, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, maybe maybe if Justin Jefferson was in Philly, it wouldn't have been the same because offense and quarterback play do have a lot to do with that. Uh, ben, can you remind me why you yeah. think Dallas is going to be a surprise team? Because I, yeah, I said I like yeah. everything Philly did. Uh, Dallas lost Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. and I, I said so last week. I was saying that I, I really, I really like. I mean, this is the thing: they lose, they lose Amari Cooper, and first off. Like, I think they didn't <laughs> – I always wonder what Jerry thinks in his head, right? Like, I, I just want to be in his office. Like, what, what does he talk to these, like, the GMs and stuff and, and discuss? I mean, he is the GM pretty much, let's be honest. But my thing was I think Zeke's going to have a better year than he did last year. Um, I, I, I I think. I don't know, what, right? Like, I, I've always been a Zeke fan. Ever since I saw him against Alabama – run you know they i forget this the announcer was like running through the south right that's what he said ever since Dude, then zeke zeke and dak are entering their yeah. seventh season isn't it crazy how it long it's crazy been yeah in the league and i feel and, so old yeah, yeah. And, with, and with dak i said i think i said last week on the podcast i can't remember exactly what i said but i said like i think dak's one of those guys that i'm interested to see who who they have at receiver right they have cd lamb who i think is very underrated. i love cd i Big love cd lamb um and i think they're you know there's a lot of unknowns when it comes to the receiver core, but I, I do like Dak. I'm one of the very few that think Dak can, can least, I think he's better than, I mean, he's definitely better than the Houston Texans quarterback. Um, but you know, it, it, you know, he's one of those guys that I think can manage a game. And I think that's what you need in the NFL. Someone that can manage the defense is where I actually like a lot of what they've been doing lately. Um, they have, and I slip in my head because I can't remember his name now. Rookie, uh, oh, Parsons. Parsons. Like, I love Parsons. Parsons, freak athlete. Um, they're DBs, they're not great, they're they're talented. I, I just think that Dallas, it's personally between the East, I believe it's gonna be between Dallas and Philly. I've always thought that. I think Washington's nowhere. I'm like, I feel bad because McLaurin's my <laughs> dude, and I feel like Washington's just gonna be off to the distance. Giants. Why are we even discussing them? Uh, but I do think it's going to be down to Dallas and, and the Eagles. I just feel like Dallas, they're just, they, they're they on this moment where I feel like they have a break coming to them. Like for so many years now, they've had this, like they get to the playoffs, lose, or they almost make the playoffs, they lose. I don't know. That that was just like when I was going through the, each team, I just felt like I looked at the roster up and down. And again, I, I said the same thing about the Browns last year, and then the Browns 
didn't do well at all. So again, I, that, that is just my thing. I think the defense is what's going to carry. If a defense can carry a team, I feel like the defense for the Cowboys, um, if you, after looking at it could be the strength because I don't know what they're going to do. The offensive line seems to be getting older. They're not the same as they once were. Uh, and the receiving core, I'm interested to see who who's going to be the receivers. Uh, but I do believe that's my one thing I'll stand on is Zeke is going to have a big year this year. I want to put my pen in. That is my summary of a very gotcha. broad statement. I'm actually scrolling through to see what Dallas has done recently. I mean, they did go 12 and five and win the division last year, but before that, they went six and ten. That's of course when Dak was injured. They also had the eight and eight season, ten and six, nine and seven, then thirteen and three that first year that uh, Zeke and Dak were both there. So yeah, Dallas is just their issues just been consistency. Yeah. It's, it's never a lack of talent, right? Like last no. year, they they led the league in points and I think total offense is just staying consistent. Uh, I think even one time they're. I think they did what the Chargers did, where they led the league in total offense and defense, yeah. and still missed the playoffs. So, and they, what would you say, Bryce? I want to hear your thoughts because I, I mean, again, I know you're an Eagles fan, so so it's like me with the Bengals. Like I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna just bash the Bengals as much as I can. But from a realistic, like if you were just sitting there looking at them, what is your thoughts then? As far as uh, the, the, the Cowboys or the Cowboys, like what what are you thinking? What is their where is their high this year? Like, do they go ten and ten and seven? Do they go? Do you think they go seven and ten? Like, where where do you think with what they have right now, realistically? Like, if you were look at the team. Well, before I get to that, I was going to ask you: Is that your hot take for the year? You think uh, they're going to break the seventeen year streak, and Dallas is going to? Oh no, my hot no my hot take that no my hot take. My hot take this year is that the Cindy, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers will be finishing fourth in the AFC West because of a certain person that I don't want to name on. I don't know if I can name him or not, but no, AFC West is that's my hot take is that the Chargers will not they will finish fourth in the AFC West. We are. I'm actually that's not even my real hot take, but I'm with Ben on the fact that we were talking the AFC West and making predictions there, just how loaded that division is, and I was just like, I don't see like it's so hard to pick a team to finish last there, but I got it. I had to go with the Chargers. Because so that's always something. There's always something about the Chargers. It's it, like last year with that bad timeout call at the end of the game to keep them from that playoff appearance last year. And then the they've been the one seed in the playoffs before, going 14 and two. And then they lose the first game, and they they lead the league in offense and defense, and still miss the playoffs. It's just there's always something with the Chargers. So in a division where like everybody got better, Kansas City was probably the only Denver. team that didn't get better this offseason, but still a team that was in the AFC Championship and won a Super Bowl not too long yeah. ago. It's just like, I got to go with the Chargers going last, and it's going to have nothing to do with Justin Herbert. It's going to have to do everything, I think, with uh, what the front office and the coaching is going to do. So, Bryce, technically, yes, it is a hot take because it would be the first time in 17 years that a team's won back-to-back. Low-key back. hot take that we had no it's idea a lo- you It's made. a low-key. Yeah. yeah, it's a low-key hot take back that back. I got. back That's what I want to say. <laughs> low-key. So you think uh, Dallas beats Philly both times then, or? split i think i think um, i'm gonna lean more towards a split i think i again it's the it's the literally nfc east when is it when has it ever been like sweeping like i feel like they will sweep the giants i think the giants will lose i think they're gonna lose i've said the giants are gonna lose a lot of games this year um and i think the 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 um the commies they'll just funny every time i say it um i think they'll be another team where i think that both the eagles i think the eagles and dallas both philly and dallas could could go in and get two wins in in new york yeah. and in washington ben i don't know how much has changed your mind i'm looking at the cowboys schedule yes. this year I looked to, at it to earlier, start yeah. 
Okay. They have home games with Tampa Bay and Cincinnati to start the year. They I'm beat just going Cincinnati. out of the division. I'm going out of the division. Yeah. Then they also have to go to LA the, to take the Rams. Ooh, uh, they also one. have this will probably be a win, a home game against Detroit, home game against Chicago. Yeah. Then they also have to go to Green Bay. <laughs> they have to go to Minnesota. They host the Colts. I like I know it's the NFL and like any given Sunday and stuff, everybody's good. Oh, and they also have a they have a road game at Tennessee too, but that that's so tough. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if they come out. Yeah, first. and that's the thing is like I again that's why like last week I said it is a possible chance, but I also know that the Eagles are also another team that have we've Josh and I have talked about the Eagles multiple times through our draft specials and everything like that. Like we love the Eagles draft. We love the Eagles what they did, and so that's why I'm saying it's a hot take. It's a minute hot take because I don't know if it will happen. I do think it's more possible that the Chargers finish last than the Cowboys winning winning the division. Okay. So yeah, that's that's my take, Bryce. <laughs> Yeah. So back to the initial I, I, question. I still think the yes. I still think the East is probably um, going to be a toss up, but seventeen years, I, I don't see that uh, streak breaking. I'm giving it to Philly just just based on that superstition. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. I, I say I'll, I'll say uh, I don't know if it's a hot take, but I'll say only one team comes out of the East this year, as Ooh. per usual. I think most years. Yeah. Well, not most years, but um, Philly comes out. I, I think Dallas will end up going like well. We got seventeen games now. Yeah, seventeen. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, give, 17, them, I'll yeah. give them nine wins. Nine wins. Hmm. Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. That. So you don't think that Dallas team again is a wild card? You think those wild card teams are going to oh, come yeah. out of? Yeah. Maybe. I, I think the rest I, of the NFL. I don't know if you can go nine and eight anymore. At, maybe. I think it's a really tough shot to go nine and eight because there is an extra now. playoff team now as well. So. That is true. Yeah. I mean, that is true. True. Yeah, I forgot. That's what that. I was just saying. Is like we. I mean, you can imagine the Rams are going to win their division. Tampa Bay wins their division. We'll say the Eagles win their division and Green Bay wins their division. And then what are the other wild cards? Dude, it's there? the Min- Bears. Are we going- the Bear. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Josh. <laughs> the wild Don't cards, are we saying maybe like the Saints, Minnesota, and the 49ers? Because, I mean, that sounds like a pretty reasonable guess then. Uh, I'd actually probably really? put Dallas over the 49ers. Yeah, I'm not why, why are you? Yeah, dude, Josh, stop it. We talked I'm about I'm going this last reasonable week. here. Josh, we don't know what Trey is going to do. Stop we it. We don't know what going to do. They still have that defense intact. They re signed Debo Samuel. They got George Kittle out there. Stop I will it. say, I was a Niners doubter last year, and I had like two friends that were Niners fans, one at work, and I kept saying, uh, I just I don't know how the Niners are going to make uh, go this oh. far. And, and they did. They did surprise me, but I, I, I'm still gonna be ignorant i'm sorry just, i'm a trey lance i'm a trey lance i'm not a fan of trey lance so josh yeah, knows that I, I don't i'm a very not a fan of him at all <laughs> i no. didn't understand the reason that they drafted trey lance either but we still i'm saying the jury's out on trey but it's still reasonable as long as he doesn't do anything to lose games like what jimmy g did like they didn't rely on him to win too much so trey can just kind of come in and do what jimmy did and just <laughs> hand the ball off 30 times a game let the defense do their thing and score maybe 20 points a game then they could maybe yeah. be, not have much of a drop-off but but yeah, Trey Lance would have to be very, very bad, I think, for the 49ers to maybe not necessarily be a bad team, but miss the playoffs. I, I still am not going to rule them out just yet. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule them on the playoffs, I guess. Mm. But yeah, I bring all that up just to say that, yeah, maybe out of that NFC East, we are only going to see one team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Well, anyway, Ben, that was uh, yeah. all the questions I had NFL related. Do you have anything else you want uh, to ask Bryce before I have, we wrap up? I have one thing because it's the thing that's driving Josh nuts for the last six months of his life <laughs> is, Bryce, what is your thoughts on Deshaun Watson? I want to know your thoughts. 
thoughts on the suspension, thoughts on what's going on, because Josh has been very adamant. We both have. We Okay, I will give you a background, Bryce. Both of us have said that we disagree on the fact that Josh is very frustrated that they let Baker go and they got him for and the amount of money they're paying Deshaun. But we both agree that we honestly think he should have got either less than six games or nothing because he has not been proven guilty in court, right? Twice he's went to court. He's been proven not guilty. Nothing's been proven criminally. Has he done some stupid stuff? Probably. Yeah. But like at the very least, you can yes. say he violated the personal conduct policy and then you get the six games that yes. uh, Judge Stu Robinson suggested. Yes. But yeah, because because the way that I look at it's like, okay, he either did it and six games is way too light or he didn't do it. And then why are we suspending him to begin with? Yes. So, Bryce, we want to know what is your take on on the suspension and, and was it the right suspension or should it be longer or shorter? Your thoughts? I mean, I have my personal opinions on his character and if I think he's telling the truth or not and those things. But, but again, what you say is true. If what has been proven and what hasn't. And as far as that goes, maybe real quickly, you could brief me or educate me on what exactly has happened in the, in the court aspect of it, because I haven't really followed it. I mean, ha- have they shown legit evidence? And it just, yeah, we do know it? that he settled with, I think 26, 26, of the, 20, yeah. 26 of the 30 20, that yeah, 26 of 30, yeah. he's gone through two different uh, trials, trials and two juries have both found him not guilty. Yeah. That's everything that we know as far as that goes. I mean, as far as like 100%, we'll never know. But we do know that uh, I think they mentioned, too, that some of those massage therapists signed him on for like a second visit. So it's like if he was so bad that first time, why would you? like? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are just not clear. There's a lot of things that are clear, a lot of gray stuff. So But, but I think because there is so much gray stuff, you you do have to doubt um Watson telling the truth I mean it's just good because there's so much there you know obviously if he's not proven guilty in the court I think he should be able to play his games I think there should probably be a suspension just for being involved in yeah, all of, of course that. yeah if of course 30 people come out and say there's no way 30 people could have just got together and collaborated well the to other thing too about off. all those 30 is like they're all coming from like the same lawyers so it's like if you get one like and this tends to happen a lot with uh lawyers they see dollar signs and money and like how yeah. big of a case this can be and then so they'll reach out to other people and be like asking them questions and then maybe convince Sturning them up, yeah. that they were violated and then they can just add that to like their case and then that brings more money to them yeah but i, I think, can see that yeah I think the biggest problem, though, Bryce, that I think that I have and I think Josh even has with it is just how Roger Goodell is basically becoming judge, jury and executioner with this. But with the new CBA, now he's only the judge and executioner and Sue Robinson's more of the jury. But now that he's redone it and he got to appoint the guy he wants, like that's what a lot of people kind of said, like, wait, well, hold up, hold up. Aren't we in America where like you, you once you got something handed down and like the NFLPA was like, hey. We'll take it, right? And I think for I was listening to a lot of different people talk about this. And my biggest thing is like, do we want a commissioner that basically is gonna get to it doesn't like what's been been ruled? So hey, I'm gonna go pick my own person and then go do it again. And so for me, that's where I'm just uneasy because the man's already missed a whole season last year and then he's missed six games this year. That is a total of twenty what 23 games if he misses the next 11 games that's 34 games you're making this guy miss where he's been proven not guilty yeah he's made some mistakes yeah he's made some stupid choices but is it really worth to make a political point or whatever he's trying to do 
I don't know. That's what I'm. That's saying. what I was going to bring up. I, I think it is unfortunate. I mean, not to make this political, but yeah. I think it is has political means behind it. I think it all has. I mean, with, with everything now, especially with ESPN and sports, it's ridiculous. I think there is a big agenda behind it, and I think Goodell, it, to some point, is kind of like a puppet. You know, yeah. similar to uh, some people in our office in America right now. Um, <laughs> and I, I think he's just you ain't pressured. wrong. You ain't wrong. We agree. Uh, I think Goodell's just being pressured to say these yeah. things to make it seem like he's standing up for us again, trying not to get all political, but for certain activist groups. And um, so he has to be pressing about these kinds of things to, to check off all the marks. So like, Oh, I said this to please this group. I'm pleasing this group. I'm pleasing this group. So now this group's not going to be pressuring down on me. So I think Goodell's just playing the role. He's trying to act like a commander to just, you know, make him seem like he's an authoritative in power as well. And I mean, I think that kind of sums it up. I, I do yeah. think it's, that let the guy get a six game suspension let him play I mean, let him let him do it and i think that's right that's the biggest thing two years and that seems to sean just seems outside free. of it is he's guilty <laughs> no i mean that's the thing like right like yeah we we've said on this show multiple times like we we if he's done it and we can and it's proven like josh and i will be the first ones to stand up and say like give it to him right yeah, yeah. but we're just saying like dude the guy has been proven not guilty in court and we're just sitting here acting like the man has just been accused of murder. Like, right. Yeah. Like that's where it doesn't add up. And you have other guys. We talked last week. Wow. That's loud outside. Sorry. Uh, we have guys last, we talked about last week, how there's been guys in history, right. That have done a lot of other things that have not got any suspension. So where's the line drawn. And so again, that's, that's what Josh and I are both like trying to say is like, we're not, definitely, if he did something wrong, penalize him, punish him. But if we're just going to start choosing because people say so, like that's a scary road. And I'm in Europe right now, 30 years ago, that's what happened here. And so I, I can understand why people are on edge about this. Cause this, does this translate to other things in life? Not yeah, just, exactly. I was about to bring that up. That it has implications to things outside of the NFL. This isn't just about Roger Goodell and this, this situation. I mean, it's just changing the way culture thinks yeah. about things and, and setting up these big brother type figures and it's just it's terrifying scary that's all i gotta say sean oakman's nfl career basically got destroyed yeah. before it could even start because of a, a false rape accusation mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's just what happens and, and everything like that but with that being said bryce thank you so much for coming on uh it's been a pleasure uh josh has just been on a roll with getting these guests i mean like it's just for all of you listening out there, let's just give a hand hand a hand to Josh right now. I mean, he's just he is just racking up these these guests. And now we talk about UFC, um, so we actually please all the people that want to fight us. Um, uh, um, no, uh, no, it's it's really cool to have that perspective because, like I said, I know not really anything about at UFC. And then for me, those people out there that are listening, um, that's really awesome as well. Um, and. Uh, Bryce, if they want to, if they want to talk to you more, where can they find you? Like, what's your social media? Like, where can they find you to maybe be like, hey, I want to talk to this guy about UFC or the Eagles football. I mean, either one, it doesn't matter. Uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so this is my first time really doing anything like this. Yeah. So, pending success or whether I do more stuff like this, I I want to create maybe more a dedicated like Instagram or social media yeah. page for this kind of stuff like UFC mm-hmm. coverage, I think would be my, my, my main thing. But um, right now I just have like a standard Instagram or Facebook or whatever. 
Um, I can give you the links. I don't know if you post them on here. Yeah, now, I'll but, post. I'll post them. Yeah, I'll post um, them. Bryce later, Tyler yeah. photo is my yeah. current Instagram, but um, I mean, I have conversations with Josh with stuff like that on Instagram messaging and Snapchat all the time. But yeah, um, like I said, but pending whether I think this is something I want to get involved in more, I'll definitely have more dedicated stuff. Yeah, maybe be on again in the future. Um, I, to be honest, I was super nervous to do this. <laughs> I feel like I've been fumbling over my words. No, man. I had to have all my stuff ready. It but now great, that I feel man. like it's going, I'm a little more comfortable. So next time I yeah. feel like I can definitely have like better things to say. <laughs> but no, um, it was good. Yeah, I'd especially I'd love to come on and talk about uh, UFC 280 in October when it comes. Absolutely, around. absolutely, awesome. absolutely. And so, yeah. Once again, thank you, Bryce, for that. And yeah, you did a great job. Trust me. Uh, okay. When you have to deal with both Josh and I in the same sitting, especially me, who <laughs> is just a comedy <laughs> waiting to happen. Um, but no, it's it's been a great time uh, for all of you out there listening. Uh, make sure you go and check out our other episodes with our other guests. Um, they're really amazing. I mean, you can check the ones out with Josh and I, but. I think the other ones are more entertaining. I don't know. But we do want to thank you to everyone out there listening. I mean, without you guys, like we wouldn't be here where we're at. Um, it's very, very entertaining. And um, and we, we really do love it. Like I know Josh and I talk about it all the time. Like we're just blessed to have people that love watching it, love commenting, bringing up things we want to talk about, which is really awesome. If you want to find us again uh, on Instagram at baseline.podcast where you can see our stories, everything like that, that we're going to do. Um, I still have to come out with uh, get to know me that I still haven't not done in like the four months that we've had the page. So that will be happening at some point coming up, hopefully. <clears throat> but yes, uh, as Josh and I are getting back into the work life, we're going to try to do as much content as we can to get it to you the best we can. Um, and again, if you've loved watching this on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button right there. And hit that uh, subscribe button. There we go. And then uh, make sure you hit that notification bell. So you can see all of our episodes that are coming out in the future. I know Josh is working behind the scenes to get some more guests. So it's going to be really, really exciting to see what happens. Uh, and if you're listening on Spotify or uh, iTunes or wherever you're listening to it, make sure you give us a, a rating. Uh, that allows us to get our show out to more people. So people that like the UFC can listen to UFC. Uh, if you know anybody that loves the UFC, share this with them because... They'll get to laugh at me and they'll get to learn something too. So uh, that all that's all bonus anyways. So anyways, thank you everyone for listening. Hope you guys have a great week. And until next week, we'll see ya.